Thank you, Dave. Good afternoon, everyone. I hope you're well. I, uh, I heard recently that there are two types of Christians in the world. There are the Christians who wake up in the morning and they say, good morning, Lord. And the second type of Christians wake up in the morning and they say, good Lord, it's morning. And I am definitely the second type of Christian. It takes me a while to get up and about. And, uh, and particularly in the morning, I'm very bleary-eyed. The light is very hazy and it takes me a while for my brain to get working. And in a similar way, I think this concept that we're talking about today, becoming a child of God, is in some ways, to me, certainly, a hazy one that um, I'm starting to understand, starting to get, but I'm not at all there um, yet by any means, and probably won't be until uh, heaven comes. So I'll talk about what I think I know, or what I think I've learned from Scripture, but bear in mind that there is so much more to this incredible concept. Uh, I think this is one of the highest doctrines of the Christian faith, becoming a child of God. God as Father. Our, uh, our human parents are incredibly influential uh, to us. I was at a, uh, a conference thing yesterday. I was speaking on a panel just across the road at St. Albans um, with church leaders coming and trying to discover uh, what it means for our youth to be uh, living in London and what life is like for them. And one of the reflections that I sort of had um, was the impact that parents really have on, on young people. Um, more than I think people often consider. I mean, I, I, I was thinking about 80% of why I'm here and who I am must be down to my parents. Uh, and thankfully for me, it was a very positive experience growing up. My parents are fantastic. But Equally, if your parents are not so good, then they'll have a massive impact on who you are as well. And there are so many sad stories of, of parents being abusive, uh, negligent, um, absent even when they are present, uh, not available um, to have a deep conversation with. But the impact of parents is a huge one, be it positive or negative. And so it's worth considering well what the impact of having God as father is to us. What is the impact of God being my father now if parents are so impactful in our lives? The word father is used uh, many times in the Bible. It's used 1,200 times in the Old Testament alone, and it's used 415 times in the New Testament, um, which you'd think kind of makes sense because it's about four times bigger than the New Testament, and that's almost four times as much in the Old. But interestingly, the word father in the Old Testament only refers to Father God 40 times. That's 3% of the times it says Father in the Old Testament. Only 3% of those are referring to Father God. In the New Testament, however, 260 of the 400-odd refer to God as Father. That's 63%. And we see that shift because of Jesus. Jesus has come, and so God has become known. In the Old Testament, the Israelites would never refer, refer to uh, God as Father unless it was in a, an abstract, he created us and all things way. 
They had many names for God, one of the most popular of them being Yahweh. Uh, But even that name, they couldn't even write down fully because they felt it would be dishonoring. So that when they wrote Yahweh, they would write it without vowels, wouldn't they? They'd sort of say Y-W-H, essentially. Um, That is how holy they perceived this God to be. Yahweh, the idea of God as Father, was foreign to them. So when Jesus comes along and says, now I don't just call him Father, I call him Abba Father, which essentially means I'm going to call God, Dad, Daddy, Abba, and you can call him Dad in me as well. There's a huge shift, therefore, of how people perceive God, of how approachable God is from this mighty God, Yahweh, which of course he remains and still is, but suddenly becomes this personable God who we can go to and refer to as Daddy, as Father. Jesus could have called God any number of things. He could have referred to him as, you know, when you pray, go and pray, Lord of all heaven, go and pray, God of the angel armies, could have said, go and pray, creator of heaven and earth. He could have said, Lord, worthy of the worship of all creatures, of 10,000 angels at all times. Instead, he says, no, when you pray, go and pray, Abba. Go and pray, Abba. Because dad is the word that I want, I want to be known by. That's the word that God wants to be known to us by. The question I hear you asking, maybe, Aren't all people children of God? Are we not all children of God? And the honest answer to that is the Bible says no. Or rather, it doesn't really say anything about it. You could call everyone children of God in in the sense that he created all things, and so we are all created by him. But even then, I would say creator is probably a more apt word for that. The real difference between being just created by God and being a child of God is the relationship that we have with him. And just because we're created by God does not mean that we have relationship with him. Only the people who come to know him can be called children of God. Only those who have come to him through the Son, then we are adopted into the family of God. Then we are adopted. I will read you a verse actually from Romans, Romans 8.15. You may have heard it, you'll recognize it, I'm sure. It says, The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so you'll fear, live in fear. Instead, the spirit you received has brought about your adoption to sonship, and it's by the Spirit that we cry, Abba, Father. And so we're in a period now in church where we're between Easter and the Ascension. That's what we're remembering particularly. Uh, And we're remembering what God's done, what Jesus has said about my Father and your Father. Uh, And there's a progression here from the cross to the ascension to Pentecost uh, that I think is reflected quite well in that classic um, explanation of the gospel where you use the courtroom. I'm sure you've probably all heard this. If you are a convicted criminal on trial in a courtroom uh, and the judge says that he will clear your debt and he just bangs his hammer 
your debt is cleared, it's done, we call that forgiveness. I owe, don't owe anything anymore. You are forgiven. The debt is gone. And then there's also justification, which is where, uh, for whatever reason, uh, maybe the judge is a war hero, and he says, I want to give you my medals, for example, and I'm going to treat you in the same way that those medals deserve. So even though you haven't done anything, my victories become your victories. And I'm going to treat you with the same respect that I would treat someone who has had all those medals. So that's called justification. We receive the victories of God. So we're forgiven. We owe nothing. We're justified. We have, uh, we, we have the same righteousness of Christ. And then the final step is if the judge were to say, by the way, after this, you're going to come home with me. You're going to get into my car. You're going to come home to my house. We're going to sit round a table together and eat dinner. I'm going to introduce you to the family. I'm going to write you into my will, and I'm going to adopt you as my own. And that's the miracle, I think, of the gospel really here. We're forgiven, we're justified, but then we are adopted. And it's the Spirit of God that comes in and says to your spirit, you are adopted, you are a child of God. By him, we cry Abba, and we can cry Abba. I don't know, I was trying to, I was trying to think of a way to um, explain my next point, and um, I, I thought at the Antiques Roadshow might go down well with this crowd. Does anyone here watch the Antiques Roadshow or has seen it ever? The Antiques Roadshow. The Antiques Roadshow. Okay. Not many of us. Well, a few of us. Okay. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was going to be much more, <laughs> much better. Anyway. The Antiques Roadshow is where people come onto the BBC and they bring something they've had passed down to them typically. They found it in an attic and they get it valued by an expert. And so the expert might say, oh wow, you've got a really nice china teapot and it's worth magically 300 pounds, you know. Um, and sometimes you get a real incredible item, like someone's just had this thing in their attic and it turns out to be worth like half a million pounds or something crazy. And, um, and that's basically what the show's about. Uh, this, the, the sense I want to suggest is that there might be people here, in that sense, living with a treasure in the attic and not knowing how much it's worth. Because I imagine, realistically, that most of the people on the Antiques Roadshow are going to take the item as soon as they know how much it's worth and put it on eBay and flog it for as much as they can get. But it's the same for us, spiritually. There may be some of us here who are essentially sitting in our homes in poverty, spiritually, but having a half-million-pound painting just living in the attic. And actually, it's our responsibility then to take it, treasure it, and pass it on so that we gain the riches that God is giving to us through this doctrine. This is the doctrine of adoption. And the difference we can tell between those two things, living with the painting in our attic, the treasure, the story that God says you are a child, and actually becoming a child, because you can actually say, either I'm a slave in God's house, or I'm a child in God's house. And I just want to finish by just suggesting a couple of differences that we might be able to ask ourselves and say, am I living as a true child of the king? Or am I living more as a slave in the house? Uh, 
Slaves live in fear. Deep fear of failure. If you imagine a Roman villa and them serving the sort of patriarch of the house, whether they do a good job or, or, or a bad job is very relevant. It matters because they might get fired if they do a bad one and they might get promoted if they do a good job. It leads them to strive and live a life of religiosity, commanding themselves, I must do this, I must do that, I must do it, I must earn the love that the master has for me. However, if we've become children, if we are becoming children, we live in the house, but we're at peace. There's no more fear of failure. There's no more striving for acceptance. It allows us, therefore, to live consistently without flip-flopping week to week, saying, I've done, had a good week or I've had a bad week. Rather, it allows us to live in the presence of the Father and know that we're loved regardless. I'm just going to read verses uh, 5 and 6 once more. It says this, But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. When we continue to sin, we live as a slave in the house of a father. It's when we invite his fatherhood into our spirits, his spirit into our spirits, that our consistent nature, and of course we all will all continue to sin, but it's then that we have the opportunity to grow and to become a child of God without sin. Let's live in him so we don't sin. He is the perfect light, perfect holiness, and in that perfect light, that's where our darkness burns away. Live in the light. A final check you might want to do is when you pray, what is it like? When you pray, are you worried? Are you anxious? Do you ask yourself, have I been good? Have I done well? Do you question whether you can ask for things from God based on what you've done or accomplished? I.e., I've had a really good week, so Lord, can you please give me this? Or I've had a terrible week. Lord, I'm sorry, I would never dare ask for anything. Are we scared to pray? Or if you are a child of God, then when you pray, do you find peace? Is there a warmth? Does it start with, Dad, how are you? When I go home and Toby's there and Richard arrives, the first thing he says is, come play football. Come play football. That's the, that's the sign of being a child of God. Come on, let's go play football. Don't worry about the other stuff. Is there peace? We are children of God. And so therefore God loves us even as we are. Even as we are. With all our mess and all our sin, even as we are, we're called children of God. Let's begin to live in that truth more and more. Amen.